You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Watching guys run on Twitter. Um, getting excited that somebody who's athletic came out athletic. I don't know. There's uh, some exciting stuff. Combine, I mean, it's exciting, though, the combine with, um, well, we are recording at 719 on Thursday, March 2nd. Just to keep that in mind in case somebody does something crazy by the time you're listening to this, but. Nolan Smith, pretty crazy, 439. I mean, he's only 238 pounds, but edge rusher. And then it kind of also steals away the thunder of Byron Young running 443 at a heavier weight. And then uh, Adetomiwa Adebaware. Good job. Hopefully that's correct. 449 at 280 pounds. I mean, that's pretty crazy. And then last one that has been crazy so far was Kalijah Kansi, 467 at 280 plus pounds. So. A lot of real fast guys, and it makes you feel bad for PJ Mustafer, who ran a five four one. Like, yeah. If you know you're going, if you see the five second mark and you still have like five yards to go, I'm pulling my, I'm, I'm pulling my hammy. I'm going down. <laughs> yeah. no, not necessary. I kind of no. I kind of want to go to Clancy because one of the things that we're doing right now, I think everybody, we actually said it on the podcast in February. I think Bengals fans, NFL fans, they have different position groups until the combine and still until pro days, until the NFL draft, what a team does, free agency. And it's always going to change. And I felt pretty heavy on the offensive side of the ball early on for the fan base of, of how they felt for the Bengals to go at 28. But Clancy was somebody that, you know, he's out there and they need help on the defensive line. And then early on, well, maybe he's a top 10, top 15 pick and he won't be there at 28. When you see the numbers from his combine, you know, how do you feel about him? And do you think he's going to be a guy that's going to be taken off the board really early? Well, as far as I know, he just ran the 40 and left that's is so, that that's not great for him well i mean he has such a good it's almost like when john ross beat the record and he's just like i don't do anything Thank else <laughs> but uh i mean i guess he figures he did something similar i mean aaron donald was a four six eight and i think that was the fastest defensive tackle before him so he apparently is the fastest defensive tackle although not the fastest six foot one 280 pound guy this year um but yeah i think he saw his 40 time was very happy with it and just said i'll show you i'll do the rest at my uh pro day which honestly that's the right move right like he run the 40 at the combine because these numbers are crazy juiced like maybe they're real but <laughs> i just feel like they're running a little faster than i think they should 
and then you do everything else on the pro day where you get little uh, you get a little pro day boost. So I respect it, but also I wish he would have done more. Um, really short arms. So that is something that is a concern. Uh, about that is just, I think it's bench, which isn't really that important, but just seeing the bench because you have short arms, less less distance to go. So he should be able to put up a lot of reps, but we'll see. If he can't do that, then I think that raises a red flag about like what's the preparation like. But um, if he does put up like 30 reps or something wild out there, then yeah. I think the Bengals like to see guys that can do that, that are real workout warrior types. Um, so when it comes to the Bengals getting him, I don't know if he'll be there at 28. Just I think he's a little freaky. I think he moves different and he's coming in refined. I don't think he's Aaron Donald because who is, but um, I've been comparing him to Jonathan Babineau, but faster, more athletic, more explosive, uh, more refined. And then my friend told me Rod Coleman. <laughs> These are really old. Rod Coleman from the early 2000s. Who had a, uh, I think multiple 10 plus sack seasons, undersized defensive tackle. We don't have to go Aaron Donald. We could go into history and find some other guys. So there's some other comps. He doesn't have to be Aaron Donald, Grady Jarrett, or Bust. Um, I do think the Bust chance is up there, though, for higher than some others, just because he's so small. And he doesn't defend the run very well at all, which I've also been told by somebody uh, that I know knows somebody in Pitt, but who knows, hearsay, uh, that they were like, it was more important they got penetration, rushed the passer than it was like stress to them that that's more important than defending the run. So maybe there's a little bit more there for him, but he's so small that I also think it doesn't matter. He's probably going to get beat up in the run game a little bit. Nolan Smith, I think the image a lot of people saw early after he ran and the official time came out, which was crazy and amazing. And then I was like, well, wait a minute, do I want him in Cincinnati? Mm -hmm. uh, but the image was he threw his phone. He was on his phone, then he threw it. And everyone's like, well, what happened? What's he mad about? And luckily there were reporters there. And I was listening to the broadcast and Stacey Dale from NFL Network said she went over to him and was like, what's up? Why, you know, why are you upset? And he said, you know, I didn't run my full speed which is crazy to think about because that was a really good number. And at the same time, he was frustrated because he felt like his number could have been better. What did you think about Nolan? So his unofficial was in the 4-4s. Four so I think he saw 4-4 four four something and he was mad because he wanted to get in 4-3. And his official comes out 4-3-9. So I wonder if he is still a little bit faster than that, but that's pretty crazy already. Um, yeah, uh, he's light. That is the first thing that came up. I think he's 238 pounds, which is less than BJ Ojolari, who everybody has knocked for being light. He plays strong, but he is light. So it makes you question a little bit of like, okay, well, the Bengals like big brick houses as their edge rushers. You think of Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendricks is pretty big. Osai, not as big, but then Cam Sample fits that. And going back into history, you've got Dunlap and Johnson and all these big dudes that played there. Nolan Smith doesn't fit that bill, but he had a heck of a day. I've heard he also jumped over 40 inches uh, on the vertical jump, I assume. And, I mean, these show it, get off is there. And that is the most important thing about playing the, any type of pass rushing position is your get off. Because if you get off, every other move is set up and you have a way to win. You can win around the outside with speed or you can get off, speed the power, or you first step, you threaten them, 
they are scared, they overset, and you work back inside. So there's quite a bit to do with uh, being able to move like that. So I see why he's interesting, and they interviewed him, although I have said before, I don't think those are predictive for anything. The Bengals only took one guy they interviewed last year, as far as we can tell, and that was out of like 50 people. I, I guess they interviewed Cal Adamitis, but I wasn't counting an undrafted free agent for that because I'm thinking top couple picks. Uh, but yeah, they interviewed him, and I'm wondering if the interview was basically, why didn't you produce that well, and why are you so small? <laughs> Can you get big? <laughs> You talk about the interviews and it actually reminded me of the night we talked to, um, I remember when Jamar Chase was drafted and at the time it was the uh, Zoom interviews. So we were all on a Zoom, like all the Cincinnati media jumped on the Zoom and Jamar is on there and ready to ask all the draft questions. And, you know, some of the questions were like, did you meet with the Bengals? Did the Bengals talk to you? Were they constantly talking to you? He's like, not really. He's like, it wasn't really like a huge like communication back and forth. And he even joked when someone goes, it brought Zach Taylor's name up. He goes, who's that? And, and we were like, that's your head coach. He's like, oh, I'm just joking with you. I know who that is. That's, that's my, that's Zach. Zach's great. I love Zach. But it just made me laugh because I was like a guy at five who they were going to take. And there was all these questions. Is it going to be Panay Soul? Is it going to be Jamar and Chase? Remember, they sent everybody to Oregon for Penny Sewell's pro day and they didn't take him. I don't know. I think they meet with guys they don't like, and they're like, sell me on you. Yeah, because so, they knew everything about Jamar. They could talk to number nine. They're like, tell me everything yeah. I need to know about Jamar Chase. So it just kind of, you you bring up a good point. And, and there was actually someone, um, I, I saw your tweet earlier on Twitter, and someone quote tweeted it and said, you know, I, I and I'm paraphrasing exactly what he said, but, I, but I, I liked what he said. And he was pretty much saying, you talk to guys you want to know more information on or more about. And that's what they're doing. They want to talk to some more of these guys. I don't think it means too much. Hey, maybe they do talk to someone that they end up drafting because they have a great conversation and they like everything that they're hearing. But it doesn't It doesn't mean a thing. It, it doesn't. I mean, all these teams are meeting with several guys out there. You know, the all pro days, I think, are important. But at the same time, they're not. I mean, you just brought up a good point with Benet Soul. Uh, when and, it comes uh, Zach himself went to Kyle Pitts' pro day. Yeah. So it's at the end of the day, none of that. I don't, I don't look too much into it. I think the team is just doing their homework when it comes to all the guys who could possibly be there at that time. Uh, the good news for them, they pick a 28. So they're going to be meeting with plenty of guys and we determine on what that board looks like. And I know you're going to go back and watch a lot of tape when it comes to just defensive line guys. And I still think it's, it's a problem when I think of what this team needs to do when it comes to filling holes, they need to be able to get to the quarterback. So if somebody on their draft board is there at 28, yeah, the trenches, they're extremely important. We talk about the offensive line all the time. The defensive line is just as important. And uh, that needs to be a focus. And maybe they do, even though they don't go that route in the first round. But the thing is, they're picking so late in the first round that maybe their mindset will change depending on who's on the board. Like I said, this is almost like a second round pick for them because it's so late to be the top 25 picks, definitely the top 20. Those, that's your first round. And once you're outside of that, um, it's still technically the first round, but I think it's kind of split up where you're probably not finding somebody in that really high up their bucket. They kind of did last year. I think a lot of people love Dax Hill. We didn't get to see it. That's going to be this year. But And I went back and watched, and I had him in that really good bucket, you know, that – first round talent type of bucket they didn't have to get into the second round i had like a second on uh, i believe i had a second on kyler gordon 
and he went early second round and that's who I thought they might take because they're like, well, they need corner. Right. Uh, but they didn't do that. So I don't think they're going to reach for need similar to last year. I think they'll let the board fall to them and pick somebody because that's kind of what you have to do at pick 28. I mean, that's kind of what you have to do in the draft. Like the whole point is free agency. Let's plug our holes. You know, free agency is the duct tape. We're going to plug the holes in the boat with the duct tape. And then, you know, when we get to the draft, that's going to be a nice piece of wood that should last a long time. <laughs> I mean, I'm all, always still best player available, but I'm actually really excited about this draft more than I was last year. Um, you know, obviously that was an exciting season in 2021. And then you have another good one in 2022, but this one, I'm like, okay, you, you have the talent around you. Um, there's going to be a few extensions that we'll hear about before they get into draft day and, and, and who do they pick up in the draft? So the first round is a huge question mark for me, because if you would have asked me, you know, what position group were they going to go with in the first round last year? I don't, I wouldn't have said Dax Hill. I'll tell you that right now. I was, I was surprised. was the last thing I watched and I skipped him because I was like, Hey, it's kind of a slot defender. They got Hilton. I'll move on. And you have to wonder, obviously when you pick late in the NFL draft, there were probably some guys on their board that they probably had over Dax Hill at that, at that time range of the draft. Um, You kind of get a feel of, Hey, who's probably going to be there by the time you pick. And, um, you know, it was a smart pick because obviously they're more than likely going to be moving on from Jesse Bates. And now you you have your starter and he was able to get a year under his belt, um, at least just being being in the room. But uh, kind of going forward and, and other position groups that you've watched, I know we've talked about tight ends. This wide receiver class doesn't feel too top heavy or too heavy in general. When you think about it, there's no Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase guys. Um, maybe no T Higgins in this draft, but overall and other position groups that you're going to be looking for. And you're kind of, hmm, I want to, I want to know how that guy's going to do at the combine. Ooh, I am curious. Well, defensive line was a big one because I was interested. I I'm almost more interested in guys. I haven't watched like, I want to see the corners and what they run and what their athleticism scores are. I haven't watched a single guy other than, part of a game of Christian Gonzalez where I was watching somebody else and I just kind of peek over. And I mean, my very cursory watch was, yeah, it's a first round guy. Similar to the Paris Johnson one, except he can fall because corners supposed to be super deep. So I want to see what all the corners run. I want to see, um, and I want to see running back too, just because running back, I think that 40, it's almost the, the edge rushers, the defensive tackles, the first 10 is what matters the most. And then for running back, that 10 matters, but you almost want to see the flying 20, as, as it's called, the last 20 yards of that, because I'll tell you how much, what's their breakaway speed. And there's some guys I got some questions with that, even some guys that are like surprising, guys that aren't surprising. I mean, like Zach Charbonnet, I got the question, like everybody does, like, well, what's the flying 20? You know, it looks like he just doesn't have that extra gear. But guys like Ty J Spears is, is a guy I'm like, well, what's the flying because he's been caught from behind a couple times you know what is is he as fast as i think he is and then you look at derrick henry who ran a four five forty but he's just a really slow starter flying 20 was almost zeke uh, and peak zeke was actually fast don't think of like current zeke elliott with that he's like in the open field you know full speed derrick henry is probably nearing a four three type of speed you know he's super fast for that size so i want to see guys that met that destroy the flying 20 because i'll tell me who can break away when they're given uh, a runway and the guys i think that can do that are devin h chain is israel abanakanda and uh chris brown i think those are the three guys that all dominate that but i'm wondering well which one of them is the best at it and also is there somebody i'm missing i didn't watch absolutely everybody i've watched like 
13 or 14 guys, but there's more out there. And does that give you a guy to look at that maybe I was going to skip past? I definitely think cornerback room is intriguing for Cincinnati because that is such a Cincinnati Bengals pick in the 20s to go. I mean, I remember when it was um, Jonathan Joseph the following year, they get Leon Hall and it was late in the 20s and not 28, but at the same time, it just feels like one because you do have to think of the future too. Uh, Cheeto, this is his last year in Cincinnati. I mean, unless they work something out, uh, but he's coming off his injury. You get Cam Taylor Britt out there and then at nickel, uh, Mike Hilton, I think he only has two more years left on his contract counting the 2023 yeah. season. So you need to be smart at that position and maybe they go cornerback if there's a cornerback there at 28. Yeah, uh, Will Jack definitely in the 20s. And mm-hmm. was Drake or Patrick in the 20s? I think he was. He was. Yeah, so, so like every corner they've taken over the past decade has been in the 20s. So it adds up. And it's a deep corner room. And I think it could end up being BPA staring them in the face. Uh, but we'll see. I, I haven't watched these guys. I don't know. Maybe it's overhyped. Maybe it's properly hyped but this is supposed to be the deepest area of the draft so if they have like six first round corners you could end up with one or two first round guys following you compared to when i mean i've talked about the offensive tackles i think it's a lot of second round guys i would take a first round corner over a second round tackle even if i need a tackle just because i want to get that first round corner he's probably going to sit a year without injury but heck corner gets injured a lot he's probably gonna play a little bit his rookie year and then Sadly, that probably means, actually, mostly definitely means you're moving on from Cheeto the next year, but um, you got to get cheap and you got to get these rookie deals. You got to get some young, cheap talent in there. Everybody talks about Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round running back. They also had seven rookies on that defense or rookie contracts. One of the two, uh, I think it's rookie contracts. So it's seven rookie contracts on that defense. That's what the Bengals need to do to go for their Super Bowl is have a super cheap defense that they can live with and then maximize the offense. Lou deserves this. He deserves another defensive player yeah. at 28. He's he's done great things in Cincinnati and he's back. And if that guy is there, unless, you know, if you're adding to the pass rush, if you get a guy on the set in the secondary, I am all for it. But you bring up a good point. Injuries happen all the time in the secondary. So more than likely, uh, that cornerback would get some reps in his rookie year. But uh, more to get to. Mailbag. You guys sent your questions. Appreciate it. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands at LNDS Patterson. We'll get to that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We're back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Mike, what is going on? Because we are currently recording at 737 during day one of the official start of the combine. Any crazy 40 times right now? Um, From the last one, not really. I'm kind of surprised Noah Sewell ran 472. I thought he was fast, faster than that. That is um, one of the slower linebacker times so far. And Henry 2020, something like that. 2020? I, I don't I need to watch a broadcast game and hear an announcer say it. Uh four six nine, which is all right, but you know slower than Kalijah Cansey. <laughs> do I want to take do I want to take that over Kalijah Cansey? Um and then nobody else is uh really crazy. And I think you mentioned off the podcast, Ivan Pace is not going to run. So 
sad for every Bearcats fan listening. But Tyler Scott, that's his name, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to run. And will he break 4-3? What do you think? No. Okay. 4-3-3. Three, three. That's, that's a great bet. You know, like nobody does. <laughs> over, over under right now. I have some. But it's the Indianapolis track. Maybe he can. Well, they probably do have those on sports betting sites. All your combine numbers. What can? What are they going to run? Oh I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but you know what would be crazy? You bring up Noah Sewell. Um, wouldn't it be crazy if Cincinnati took him and they finally got their um, their their Sewell, but not their offensive lineman, but he's a linebacker? He's fun. I watched uh, two games of him. I don't know how good he is, but he's fun. And he does a lot of pass rushing as well as being an off-ball linebacker. Don't love the 40 time so far, but I think he's bigger too. So he's like a big linebacker. So it might be okay. I got to see some other stuff. He wasn't the slowest linebacker either. Well, maybe a later linebacker. He he is like a third round guy, I think. Yeah, I I love it. I don't think there is a first round linebacker out there. I I wouldn't want to touch it right now, Uh, but we'll get to your questions. You sent several of them. We're going to start with Parker Blake. He always has great questions. Normally they have to do with the offensive line. So I'll go to his. He says, why don't all caps the Bengals draft an offensive line in the first two days? Should they? Um, If you plug the holes, it's not necessary is what I think. So I think I would try to, but you also don't want to pigeonhole yourself. If you end up with, it's very unlikely, but we'll see. Maybe he runs bad. B. John Robinson at 28. Do you now have to take the line, the, the offensive lineman in the next two rounds? Or what if a good corner falls to you at pick 60? You can't pigeonhole yourself in round three into, okay, we got to take an offensive lineman here. We skipped it in the first two rounds. So that's why you really got to plug the holes. And then if push comes to shove next year, you end up taking the offensive lineman. I'm just a big proponent of staying even, staying I don't need anything. And that's kind of where the Bengals were last year is that they didn't need anything in that draft. They just kind of took whatever was there, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, So I'm hoping for something similar to that. But I also think you definitely could take an offensive lineman in any of the first three rounds. After the first three rounds, everything gets dicey. What is a fourth-round pick? What are the odds that a fourth-round pick is going to do well for you? Uh, in the first year, uh, running back sometimes do, and other than that, like it's usually pretty sparse for that guy impacting team his rookie year. Well, maybe all the defensive freaks go early. The quarterbacks, they're all getting fucked up. They're going to go early. Then all the tight ends. And then that leaves Paris falling right to 28. And you say, Yes, let's go. This is yeah. an easy pick. This takes five seconds to it's put an easy in. One. We're going to add you. We're going to add you to the offensive line. But at the same – I mean, other than that, I'm just not ready to commit to offensive line. It, it, it's the class. It's the front yeah, office. It doesn't – I mean, hopefully we get to talk to some people that yeah. have watched more than us. Uh, but it feels like the class is just not strong this season, and that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's more of, hey, if you were able to get a left tackle – 
or you're you were able to get a right tackle in this in this draft that would be awesome sign me up right now we we've talked about those positions and you have to think of the future at left tackle we've talked plenty of Jonah Williams so I'm not going to go that route right now but the right tackle position you need to think what you're going to do there because right now you do not have a right tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals on the offensive line so if the guy is there at 28th and do it but I'm not reaching uh we'll go to Greg he says what position will they double down on this year do you think do you think in this draft? No idea. I have no clue what they're thinking, honestly. Yeah, I don't even feel what they're going to do at all. Like, <laughs> I think they draft a running back. I think they draft a corner. Well, I just think they draft a corner because it's deep class. And, you know, other than that, I got, like, no feel. Who do they draft? Like, you could tell me they somehow double-dipped at wide receiver, and I could believe that. Now, I wouldn't think it would be like for a second round double dip, but like a third round guy, seventh round guy, I could see it. Sure. Uh, defensive line, defensive tackle, edge, maybe. I'm trying to think. Corner, you could definitely do it. You can never have enough of those guys. Offensive line, if you just consider it offensive line, maybe, but I don't think they double dip at tackle. So. Well, the Seahawks did last year and it worked out really well for them. They found both starting tackles in the draft. I And, and I, I know a lot has changed in the front office with the Cincinnati Bengals. I just don't try their luck with offense alignment is absolutely terrible in the draft. And, you know, I, I hope Cordell works out just fine in year two. But at the same time, when you look at the overall picture over the last few years, um, it's, it's not too uh, great for them. So I'd rather just buy my offensive line over the next two years and then we'll figure out the rest later when joe's contract really starts hitting um we'll go to goose he says with this most likely being boyd's last year how early in the draft are you thinking the Bengals look at wide receiver they could look at it at any point right that, that is the one thing i'm thinking of is it would be very surprising but not yet shocking to see that as a pick at 28. They just love wide receivers. That's I think the reason I think it's not shocking to for that to happen. Like if Jackson Smith guy from Ohio State <laughs> is there, he didn't run the 40. He's not gonna run the 40. So maybe that pushes him down. He's supposed to be really good. He's supposed to be a very good slot receiver and do some other stuff, but you know, slot receiver made me think, oh, okay. Um, yeah, that, that, that one's on my mind of like, that's there at 28. Maybe they go there. If Jalen Hyatt or Tyler Scott are there in like round three, that's a very intriguing pick fits what they need. So I would think it could be at any point. I would think it wouldn't happen until round two at least, but I could see like if a guy falls, round one is not off the table. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was just down on them for how they dropped off into linemen. They're really good at wide receivers. So I'm I'm game for that. And if you think at the same time, even with Boyd here this year, I'm not even thinking about the future right now. You have Boyd, you have T. Higgins, you have Jamar Chase. Yes, Trent and Irwin stepped up last year, but I, I would rather upgrade that position if possible for wide receiver number four. You're not going to spend crazy money, and I don't want to bring in a, a, you know, a free agent wide receiver because some of those top guys, it's going to be really expensive, and you're still trying to pay 
your own guys, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. So at the same time, if you can get a wide receiver at 28 and he's a top talent, sign me up right now. Um, that is smart. That's a position group. If you can go cheaper in in the future, um, I say give Joe Burrow all the weapons. So I'm, I'm all about that. But I agree with you. And you have to think about Tyler Boyd's last year because I don't know what they do with Tyler Boyd after this season. Jeff Smith says, um, are you tired of mock drafts? Uh, um, like a tiny bit, but nothing crazy. I, I'm not that upset about it yet. You know, <laughs> I haven't had, I haven't seen enough of them to really hate it. Um, but yeah, I, they're, they're still fine. I just think we are at the point where they all just start, you know, my eyes glaze over and I see like the same picks for everything, even though like each one is unique and whatnot, but yeah, I don't know. You got like, uh, I don't know. Like I've seen so many of like Anton Harrison round one and then blah, 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 down the, down the list. Always Tajay Spears or somebody like that round four who I don't think will be there. Like blah, blah, blah. My eyes are just glazed over and I just look at it and go, yeah, yeah sure. My favorite ones that I see on Twitter are the are the guys that, you know, we've talked about on this podcast and people will have them as like a third round pick and they're probably not. It's probably more of a second round or they're going to be a later pick. And I always find that funny when it's guys. Some, we'll somebody sent me one that was like stupid, great, like Paris Johnson round one and then another round one, get like Michael Mayer, somebody round two. Oh. It was it was just like congrats on getting the perfect AI for your <laughs> mock draft. I don't know what to tell you. Like this isn't happening. No, not at all. I mean, I signed me up. I'd be all about it, but it was uh, an no. a plus for every single pick from PFL. Of it was. <laughs> I was like, of it was. did you cheat? Like what, what is this? No, all that, that stuff is it's, it's pretty comical, but Hey, it's, it's only March 2nd right now. And we have, quite a few days until the NFL draft. So I'm not, I'm not too exhausted from uh, mock drafts right now on, on Twitter, but Dewey says, what's the dream scenario regarding the first selection? Oh man. Uh, how unrealistic. Because like you laid out what would be a dream scenario, right? If, if somehow Paris Johnson falls. Yeah. That's the dream. It's probably not happening out of the realistic ones. I think. Uh, I haven't watched everybody, but other guys I've watched, like getting Mayer or Bijan, I think would be the best case. Um, I, I got to watch some corners, which I assume if one of those guys falls, I think it's what Gonzalez, Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., probably some others. <laughs> if one of them falls, yeah, that's, that's a great one too. Uh, other than that, I mean, maybe one of these crazy – Kalaja Kansi would be fun. I don't know if they'll go for it. Uh, but yeah, one of these crazy edge rushers that have posted insane times. One of those guys. That sounds like a good pick. I guess the dream for me would be Paris Johnson. But like the realistic dream is probably going to be one of those corners. But out of the guys I've watched, um, Bijan's my favorite. I don't know what to tell you. I'm ready for the first round because it does. Like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and it sounds so silly to say when you think of the first round talent, but it does feel pretty loaded with just so many different position groups outside of really offensive linemen when it comes to this first round outside of the rest of the draft. Um, I think it's 
good at places the Bengals want it to be good outside of offensive line. Like running back's good, and I think they go for a running back. And then corner's good, and they probably go for a corner. So it's good in places they want it to be good. If you were a guy that wanted a safety, I have no idea what the safety class is like. So um, that, yeah. Probably should have uh, tried to draft. Dax Hill last year if you needed a safety. Um, Eric says, what are the odds we see a new backup quarterback next year? Is this Joe Burrow's and Allen friendship more valuable than a dynamic player to step in for a game if needed? I know what I'm going to say, but I'll let you go first. 15% chance there's a new backup. I really think it's Brandon Allen. I just think back to like the Jim Sorgi Peyton Manning relationship and you know, those type of things is like, it didn't go away <laughs> until it was like Curtis Painter stepping in for uh, Manning with the neck injury. It's like, sometimes these things happen. You get that relationship. They're basically a, a quarterback coach, Chad Henney and uh, Pat Mahomes have been together the whole time. And Chad Henney's fine, but there's a reason he was just taking like veteran minimum to stay in Kansas city. Nobody was pining for Chad Henney. Uh, so I don't think they're going to try to get a dynamic backup quarterback. I think all their resources are going to go to all of the other positions. And then if Joe Burrow gets hurt, you just hope that they can survive. But if he's hurt for an extended amount of time, even a good backup is probably not going to be great. That's how I'm seeing this a lot. You know, people want to move on from Brandon Allen. And I feel, look, you have the relationship there. You have your backup guy there. I think that is valuable in the quarterback quarterback room for Joe Burrow. At the same time, I don't want a good backup because if Joe Burrow goes down, then I don't feel really great about how the season's going to turn out for a long period of time. Then I don't feel good about how the rest of the season's going to go. There are different teams. You could look at the 49ers, um, you know, probably not the greatest example because in the NFC championship game, Christian McCaffrey had to be the quarterback at one point, but that's when every quarterback went down in that game, but they were able to do enough with their third string quarterback. Brock who stepped up. Okay. I mean, he, he had an okay second half of the season, yeah. but at the same time, I don't, I, do, I don't think about the backup quarterback position a whole lot, to be completely honest with you. All, all I'll say is a good backup runs you, what, like $6 million a year, maybe more? You're talking about, like, starting right tackle money. You're talking about starting, well, more than starting running back money. You're talking about, like, a good producing edge rusher. I'm just – it's funny to hear all these things, and then every time I've ever seen somebody do that athletic thing, you know, like people are like, you can't cut college, you can't cut mix. They always cut those two. They always cut those two. They add all these guys, and they always have Brandon Allen still in there as the backup, or it's like a third or like a seventh round draft pick. And I'm like, well, I don't think the seventh round draft pick would beat Brandon Allen, to be honest. But, you know, I, I mean, like Brandon Allen's probably not the best quarterback to get into a game, right? But let's not forget what he did against the Houston Texans. I remember Bengals fans being mad about that because they wanted to lose that game because it would help them with the draft pick. It was insane. It was, I, I, I'm trying to remember. It's either better or almost as good as Joe Burrow's best game by quarterback rating. That's how he was just throwing heat checks. I remember AJ Green caught one. T Higgins caught one. He was just throwing everything. That's the only game I've ever seen him and went, okay, this is, this is a dude. Like if that was me who had that game just went unconscious and the, the ghost of Earl morale took over me, I, I would never shut up about it. I, you know, like my, 
my kids, kids, and you know, people at the bus stop, I would just be showing them highlights. Just <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I did that. I outplayed the, the other guy on the other team who I will not name. Um, but but I remember that. I remember that game. They were like, "No, you need to lose this game. You're, it's going to affect the standings." I was like, "No, Brandon Allen's having himself a game." So they didn't um, say that when Ryan Finley was winning. <laughs> that I say this all the time. That that Monday night football game, I'm sorry, Nick is our producer, but hey, he has Super Bowl rings and, and we currently don't in Cincinnati, but I can talk about this game. Monday night football, that December game, I truly felt like that was when everything changed in Cincinnati. I know drafting Joe Burrow that year was really huge and a big deal, but I just felt like it all kind of changed for Zach Taylor. They win in prime time. They beat a good Steelers team. It specifically felt like it changed on the hit to Juju where the ball came out and they recovered the fumble uh, just because it felt like the Bengals got bullied by the Steelers before that for so long. And then they finally did something back. And fi- yeah. even in the 2010s, when the Bengals were beating the Steelers once in a while and winning the division once in a while, it never felt like they were the ones to, you know, push the Steelers around. They finally did it. And I was, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, n- nobody also, oh man, what a year. Never forget that was Muppet night football. Because the Steelers were favored by like 15 points, yes. and ESPN had to make a gimmick because they thought it was going to be a blowout over in the first quarter yes. type of game. Because they were what, like 11 and one heading into that game? I I thought they were undefeated. Then they lost the week before, and I think they yeah. said they. And Nick can correct us if we're wrong, but I don't. And I think um, the whole all the experts were saying there's no way they lose two games in a row. They're not going to lose to the Cincinnati Bengals with their third string quarterback. And uh, 11 and one. That that no, I, I do. I always look back football. on that game. That, that gift is one of my favorites uh, from Von Bell. And that's why I want Von Bell to get his extension. He's just um, he's a highlight machine. And hopefully that happens. But yeah, oh, a lot of good stuff. And honestly, there were a few more mail, mailbag questions we're going to get to in our next segment. And then we'll talk a little bit about Brian Callahan, Lou Anarumo, uh, Darren Simmons, and then Frank Pollock from the Combine next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Mike is watching, he's working, he's podcasting, but he's also keeping track of these 40 times. Anything noteworthy? Uh, Well, like I I was just mentioned to you, Georgia has two of the top five at the moment. <laughs> two edge rushers in the top Georgia's five. different, man. Georgia's uh, yeah, a little I different. Know. I mean, it makes sense why they have those national championships right now. But uh, at the same time, when it comes to these 40 times, maybe it's the John Ross pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe I, I don't think too much into the 40 time, and I hope I'm wrong, and I really want one of these defensive pass rushers on, on the Bengals next year. But I don't know what to believe right now. I think I need pro days, to be completely honest with you. I need those. The to pro start. day is like notoriously no. always juiced. You, you have all the, you have your own people there. You have your own trainers. You're doing your own thing. You're, in you're your running own downhill. Thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for some reason, the Zach Wilson throw comes to mind from BYU. Uh, oh, and that's, my God. Oh, that's, man. that's the only highlight he ever had. Um, <laughs> I mean, wow, that was really mean. Uh, 
This highlight of his career, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about when they talk about Zach Wilson, not to make this too much about Zach Wilson, but if you think about anything, anytime they talk about him and it's like a highlight, they'll show the BYU, they'll show the throw from his pro day. And that's all they have. Because yeah, nothing- I mean, you're not wrong. If you're a quarterback, you you practice that throw, I think, because that, that probably moved him up the draft board. So if yeah. I was a quarterback, I'd be like, all right, we got to practice on this roll left, throw right, 60-yard throw because it gets people going at the pro day. And the thing is, nobody's on defense, and he makes this throw, and it's his his highlight. So poor Zach Wilson, uh, you know, to be determined on who who will be the starting quarterback for the Jets next year. Not our problem. Uh, uh, I think it's going to be – I know, Dare, the rumors today, rumors, all that fun stuff, because all the craziness of free agency is really going to pick up in the next two weeks, obviously, free agency is coming in two weeks. But at the same time, for some of these quarterbacks, I think Derek Carr goes to the Saints. And I don't know who goes to the Jets. Jimmy Garoppolo. That is a really good – Jimmy G in New York. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be good. Um, Do you see Brandon Marshall – said Aaron Rodgers retired on this podcast and Aaron Rodgers hasn't said anything. So I don't know if this was like leak or if this was like Brandon Marshall, I don't know what you're doing. I think it's probably time for Aaron. I mean, he probably has a few more seasons left in him on a good roster, but at the same time, it's probably time. I mean, I think he would be pretty happy to just call it a career now. Just, I just feel like he might have enough spite that he avoids being in the same class as Tom Brady. That is true. That is true. I saw um, he was on the Pat McAfee show one time and he was talking about Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and pretty much just saying they'll, they will never have any breaking news on me. They don't, they don't know a thing about Brady my thought the same thing. I'm fully convinced. That's why he came back. He was just like, I can't believe Schefter. Schefter was the one to scoop out, scoop me before I got my video out there. <laughs> like I'll I mean, play one more that, year. That's definitely how they think. And I don't think early on it felt like the Aaron Rodgers to the Jets was going to happen. But I don't think Aaron wants to go there. I don't. I mean, it, the roster isn't terrible. It's just the New York media, all of that stuff. Does he really want Rodgers to Vegas if he plays? Oh, I'm for that. I'm for that. I, I kind of want him to be in the NFL, to, to be completely honest with you. Um, I want. Patrick Mahomes in his own division to have some competition outside of the Chargers at times. I I don't think it'll happen. That's why that's why the the Chiefs and the Bengals, it's like a division rival. They it's a competition in the AFC, and it's pretty much the Chiefs only competition in the um, American conference. We'll go to Morv. I I hope I said your name right. I apologize in advance. He said, should we take a center or should we looking at a center? In general? Yeah, in general. Yeah, I think they could use a new backup center. I don't – snapping is different, you know. I think people don't – you know, interior offensive linemen can't just play interior offensive line because they are, you know, the right size and whatnot. Like, you can play guard, either guard spot, really, but at center spot, you got to know how to snap. And snapping and setting, because you have so all that hand movement, is different than being just a guard and just having to set and – get out there i know because i i started at guard and uh, i was the backup center and i prayed that i never had to uh, get out there and snap a shotgun snap in my life because i was terrible at it and uh yeah i remember one time the coach made me do 20 push-ups every time i missed a shotgun snap and i think i did like 400 in the practice because i just i don't know what it was i just couldn't get it 
Wow. And they kept me at backup. They, they didn't replace me. I guess they were just like, well, I mean, if he has to come in, we're going under center. <laughs> okay, get we, that one. Well, during the Bills game, I remember hearing the broadcasters talk about Ted Karras, and it sounded like, and I think even the beat writers who were in Buffalo were, were talking about him kind of being slow to get up and, and move around, and I was nervous. It was early, yeah. He yeah, took I was, got to the legs. I'm like, I don't want Trey Hill out there. And I know it's snowing right now and everything's going the Cincinnati Bengals way, but you have the AFC championship game right around the corner. You don't want to be without four offensive linemen. We already saw the result of three. Um, I like the nightmares of that, thinking of that. And Ted definitely, um, he, he found a way to, to finish that game and obviously play in the AFC championship game. But I think it's important to just look at that. Um, you know, what if, you know, he does need to be on the sideline for a couple reps and you, you bring another center out there. So I think that's something, or maybe somebody who can play at the guard position and then is also, I mean, at the backup level, but also somebody can, who could snap, somebody who yeah. you know can snap well, I think is the biggest thing. Uh, Mike B says, any chance Jesse Bates doesn't like what is being offered in free agency and he resigns in Cincinnati? Over or under 1%? I mean, I will say it right now. This isn't happening at all. Because I think he's going to get more than more than he would get in Cincinnati, at least in Atlanta, maybe in Cleveland. You know, like there already seems to be a market. It's not like we have gotten to the point where it's like, well, nobody's really interested in Jesse Bates. But, I mean, I guess you could say who was that last year. And I didn't see it with him. Um, I think he got cut this year, or maybe it was a one-year deal. But the Ra- Bradley Bozeman, the Ravens center, that the mar- his agent was drumming up the craziest. Like, he was about to make more money than Ryan Jensen. And, like, teams want this guy. And he signed – I think it was just a one-year deal. It was like a one-year, $5 million deal. Like, the most average center deal you could imagine for one year. And I was like – I mean, that's what I saw, but I, the rumors were crazy. So I don't think that happens with Jesse. He was a second-team All-Pro once. This is not just, you know, media drumming up the interest in him. But it's not unheard of that a guy doesn't get the market they, they think they can. I just think Jesse will. I think he will, but I, I think two things. I don't think he's back in Cincinnati. This has zero to do with Jesse Bates. He was awesome. I loved when he was here, but they drafted Dax for a reason. Yeah. Uh, Dax is going to start for Jesse Bates now. And you get cheaper at that position because you're not giving Jesse Bates the contract extension. And I think Jesse Bates will get paid for another team. I do feel like it's it's, it's Atlanta and then he'll probably have talks with Cleveland too. Uh, because his agent is obviously familiar with the Browns. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I, I think we'll see a number. It won't it won't be too crazy, but it it will look back at it and be like, oh yeah, Cincinnati wasn't gonna pay that. Um, yeah, and nothing nothing too crazy. And I'm not I'm not too upset about it. I think you know I'm rooting for uh, for Dax at that position to see what he's gonna do as a starter. Haran Day says, um, or you could tag and trade Jesse Bates. No, not happening. I mean, that's just so much money. <laughs> not happening, guys. Could you imagine saying, you know what, we can't get that extension, but we're going to tag you at this number? I think teams would call the bluff. Yeah. I I think they'd be like, you're not going to keep that guy on the tag. I'll wait. Uh, And if you do, well, congratulations. You're paying $20 million for your safety, who you didn't want to give this type of money over two years. 
Yeah, not going to happen. I do want to say a couple of these mailbag questions. A lot of people or a few people were bringing up centers. So um, we already got to that question, but I do appreciate it. And it's actually one to think about for Cincinnati. Dubuski says, what is your ideal offseason for the Cincinnati Bengals? What deals should get done pre-draft? And then as a result, who should we get in the draft? We've kind of talked about this several times on the podcast, but you can kind of give your ideal early start the free agency and maybe early on in the first round of the or, um your first round draft pick. Yeah. Um, plug the holes, plug the holes in free agency and take whoever's there in the draft pick, whether that's mayor Robinson, a corner, uh, one of these defensive linemen, an offensive tackle, I don't care, but plug your holes. So you can take that, you know, get a right tackle that can start day one, get a safety. Cause we, have really assumed Von Bell's just going to be back. But what if he's not? Get somebody else. Get somebody who can play at safety. Because I don't think it would – I wouldn't feel good about Tyson Anderson starting week one. <laughs> I'll just say that much. He didn't play, so he didn't show anything. Uh, so get a safety. Get a right tackle. I think they're going to get a tight end uh, in free agency. And I don't think it'll be uh, a very a, – a super exciting one. I think it'll be mid-level tight end. They just need a guy that can start and figure out what you're going to do at running back, I think, at least a little bit, whether that is cutting Joe Mixon, letting him test the market, or it's Joe Mixon takes a pay cut and P. Ryan's gone, or you got both, and maybe they're both at a discount from where you think they might be. I don't think they can put a ton of money into that room. And if it was me, I would add an interior defensive lineman in free agency because I think there's a few guys, but I don't know if they want to just because they're spending so much money there already. You mentioned safety. I kind of wanted to get to some of the coaches' quotes from hearing uh, from them for the first time since after the AFC Championship game. Lou Anarumo uh, was the first one to come to mind. Uh, first time media was able to talk to him since everything with Arizona happened. And, you know, he talked about that as kind of a bittersweet um, conversation when you don't get the head coaching job, but you are back in Cincinnati. And one of the questions they asked, uh, they, it was actually about Jermaine Pratt and Jesse Bates being without them. Um, and then also adding in Von Bell. And he's like, I don't want to think about those dark days when you think about being without Jesse Bates and Von Bell in the safety room, which I think is huge. And I think Lou is going to have a huge input when it comes to the free agency room and, and who you have to bring back. We've pretty much talked about it. It does feel like the writing's, writing is on the wall for Jermaine Pratt. Um, Lou had great things to say about him. And I loved what he, what he said when uh, some of the reporters asked about some of Jermaine Pratt's tweets. That kind of sounded like, you know, I want to play more uh, third down. And he just praised Jermaine as as a player. You know, I, I just praised him as, you know, the talented player that he is. And I just loved everything that Lou had to say about that because he just kind of went on like, like, like coaching him. Um, that's just him. He's, you know, he's very passionate. And that's just, I don't know. I, I liked everything that Lou had to say to the media about um, his defensive guys. Did you did you get any takeaways from, from hearing from Lou? Not a ton. Um, I just still think it stinks he didn't get that job in Arizona, but you hope that means he gets a better job next year, but I have been a proponent of none of these jobs are good. That's why they're open. <laughs> I think like which job would I have most wanted if I was a coaching candidate in this last cycle? And I'm like, I don't know. Like you either get not great ownership or you get like the Denver situation or Arizona's whole thing going on like what job are you actually interested in and the answer is well you hope a, a good organization has a coach to retire like if the seahawks if pete carroll retires and lou goes there great but if it's just like 
the commanders fire Ron Rivera and they don't have a quarterback and they're not picking number one overall, not great. That's probably not where I want to be. I'm going to go to Darren Simmons right now because he was honest. He's been on the uh, coaching staff for quite some time, and he was asked about the punting situation. Zach Taylor was even asked about the punting situation. When uh, bringing up Drew Chrisman, Zach Taylor said competition would be a good thing. So I feel like that pretty much um, tells you right there. They could be moving on from Drew Chrisman. I think we've talked about the AFC Championship game plenty of times, and uh, Darren kind of felt the same way. Another thing that was really surprising was Clark Harris. It, it does sound like um, we don't know if it's retirement for him or they are just moving on completely because he won't be coming back to compete with Cal for the long snapping position. Yeah, um, and Darren – he specifically mentioned the AFC Championship game the last punt, just like I was angry about. seems like they were angry about it. Uh, it was just not a good punt. It was not in the right spot. It had no hang time, and it was a big contributor to the loss. So that – I felt like he was the punter for next year before that game. Like really? if you asked me – yeah, if you asked me in the Bill, after the Bills game, I would have – I wouldn't have said 100% chance, but we've been like, I'm like 75% sure I think he's the punter next year. And then that game happened and it just makes it, I know it's one game, but it just moved me down 50% chance, like a 50, 50 shot. He's the punter next year. I think they're going to bring guys in, if not a draft a guy. So we'll see. I have not watched anybody. I know uh, everybody is amazed by my Ryan Stonehouse magic last year. I, I have not watched their just bomb productions highlights yet. So let's relax. I have not seen if any of them have long golden locks either. I was a big proponent why I was a Stonehouse guy. So what I'll just say is, and this was true last year, it's just I don't care who the number one punter prospect is. I don't I don't think it matters. That's basically the whole reason I was against Matt Arraza. had nothing to do with it. I, I didn't know anything. But you know, yeah. everybody thought he was like punt god and all those stuff. It's kind of like I was kind of like that's how often is the best at any of these special teams position in like pre-draft process, how often do they pan out as like the best at that? You know, Kate York got taken higher than Evan McPherson in the draft. And I don't think the Browns are in love with him, although they'll probably keep going because they owe money. Um, you know, it's just all these guys. It's like most of the best players at these positions are undrafted guys. I can even think back yeah. to Roberto Aguayo, the second round pick at kicker who got cut after one year. Well, I mean, at the same time, punters are people too. Yes. And they are weapons. They are extremely important. I'm totally game for this. Bring on all the competition. I think a lot of people will always look back at the AFC Championship game. A lot of things went wrong, but that didn't help. Kick it out of bounds at that point because that exactly. was a terrible decision um, on his part. And unfortunately, Drew Christman's time in Cincinnati, just like you don't remember, but Brad St. Louis and that Christmas Eve game <laughs> when the long snap went bad and they didn't make the playoffs because they didn't make the kick. Uh, we'll always kind of think of Drew Chrisman in that light, unfortunately. Oh, no. Unless really he gets the job and he, and he balls out. I don't think he's lost the job. I just don't think he has the job very secure. I Yeah, you have more confidence than me right now. Oh, you think it's below 50? Oh, I don't. I mean, he yeah, might be at camp. He might be there, but... <laughs> Right. I just, I say bring in all the competition. Every single yeah. guy. They're having tryouts on Saturday. <laughs> Everybody show up. Anybody, at this point, it's it's important. And I don't feel really great about the punting position group right now if we were to talk about some of the holes on the team. So 
that's definitely something this offseason we'll get to do a little breakdown on punting 101 who's going to come in and um, possibly replace Drew Chrisman um wow that sounded really negative sorry about every sorry about that uh we'll go on to the positives all over on uh, all Bengals what's up there right now uh, by the time you're listening, I'll probably have my Ty J Spears article up. He would be my third round running back target. And then I'm done doing single running back scouting reports because we are moving on to, I'll probably get a Michael Mayer one up. I'm going to do a running back ranking at some point, but I'm also trying to figure out if I'm going to do that or if I'm just going to wait until right before the draft and then post like a big ranking type thing. So I don't know. We'll see. But Ty J Spears by the time you're listening. So that'll be a, the thing to look for. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you're also following along. Bengals underscore Sands. Really great breakdowns and clips. Good for this weekend if you're watching some of the guys at the Combine. We will have an episode next week. Hopefully have a guest. And uh, that's to be determined. But make sure you're listening as always. You can follow me at, at LNDS Patterson. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.